things a little bit differently again uh, this week. Uh, we'll do the announcements at the end of the, the service. And I want to jump straight into the message of this morning. And last week, I uh, preached to us on resurrecting power, Jesus. Jesus is the resurrecting power and that same spirit, the Bible tells us in Romans 8, 11, that same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of us. So did you, uh, did you take that resurrecting power out last week? Of course you did, because you carry it. Amen. You carry the resurrecting power. Well, this morning I want to preach on how to access that power, how to allow that power, the power of God to, to dwell within you, but not just within you, but all around you and to come out of you. So I've entitled my message this morning, The Pillow. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, as we open your scriptures this morning, Lord, I pray that they would minister to us. God, we want to learn. We want to grow. We want to know more about you this morning. Lord, help us to become more like you, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You know those people that can sleep absolutely anywhere? Hands up if you know someone. I know someone, they can just fall asleep absolutely anywhere. It blows my mind. I can't do it. I can't do it. Sometimes I think it might be a, a curse or something, but I, I can't even fall asleep in a boring movie. Like, like I just can't do it. Like, I can't fall asleep. I, I struggle to fall asleep just randomly. And, uh, you know, on road trips, not, can't do it. What if I miss something around the next bend? It's, it's like, I remember the first time I went to New Zealand, South Island. Wow, what a beautiful creation. Man, every corner, something new, something beautiful. A- any Kiwis here? Any New Zealanders? Wow, look at this. That was awesome. You know what? I, I used to pray this prayer that all of the Kiwis would just move to Australia because they love to do that. And uh, specifically the South Island. And uh, so it would just become dirt cheap. And I could just go over there and buy the whole island. It would be awesome. Like, it is the most beautiful, picturesque place you have ever seen. It is stunning. It's got absolutely everything. It is incredible. But it, the, the story goes on. I just can't sleep. I can't, I can't. What if I miss something that's around the next bend? You know, I think it's a gift that some people have. Just fall asleep anywhere. I remember when I was dating Ivana. We were driving somewhere. Goodness knows where. And uh, just fell asleep right there in the car. Practically mid-conversation, just out. Glad you feel safe. Like that's very comforting for for me. That was this other time. Is Michael here this morning? No. Oh well, there's a story about him. Uh, Many years ago, uh, quite a few of us went over to Japan on mission trip. Uh, It was awesome. You know that nation has 120-ish million, 121 at that point, probably more now. 125, I think it was 121 at the, at the time, million people, that's a lot of people, eh? that's quite a few more than us here in Australia, and uh, they have 0.005% Christian, it's mind-blowing, like that place, the spiritual oppression in that place, you get off the plane, you, you can feel darkness, and it's awful, it looks all beautiful, and amazing and advanced on the outside, but the, the inner workings of Japan is just decay and death. It's awful. It's horrible. And we went there to do this mission trip, and it was a successful mission trip. The church there was just doing awesome things, and the team that, that uh, we took, it was, it was a great trip. But uh, at the end of each night, I uh, went into this, like, uh, Japanese 
uh, old school hotel where you like sleep on the floor and there's like rice paper doors and all this stuff. It was awesome. And uh, Michael and I were rooming and uh, Michael had lots of questions to, to, to ask me and to talk about each night. And, uh, you know, so we'd get into this deep conversation and, and uh, it was fantastic. It was awesome. And then mid-answer, I'm like, are you serious? Like, I've just spent like the last three minutes in a deep theological discussional answer with you and you are asleep. So I let it slide. Next night, <laughs> mid-answer, same thing. I was blown away. The third night, I said that. This is the name. So I told her, I said, hey, bro, you know, the last two nights we've been talking and you ask a question and then you fall asleep. He's like, for real? I'm like, yes, do you remember what we were talking about? He's like, yeah, 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 we're chatting about. Oh, yeah, maybe I don't. And he couldn't remember the last stuff that we were talking about. Anyways, that happened the third night as well. And uh, so after that, I just sort of, I'd, I'd say, yes, yeah, you, you get that? Like, yeah, yeah, what do you think? And like I was just trying to engage him in the conversation to make sure that uh, he was staying awake. And uh, yeah, I mean, once you put your head on a pillow, honestly, it's, it, it can be hard to, it can be hard to not enjoy that pillow, am I right? Saturday morning, it's raining, it's cold, aircon's on, doona's up. It can be hard to let go of that pillow. You with me? Any, anyone else like hug that pillow just a little bit longer sometimes? Yes, yes. Well, uh, it doesn't happen for everyone, but uh, it does for some. I remember, uh, do you know those things called planes? <laughs> Hands up if you've been on a plane. Yes, I have used to, you know, when we're allowed to travel. <laughs> they're, uh, they're, all, they're opening it all up bit by bit, aren't they? It's exciting. It's going to be cool. We can go for a holiday again. Overseas. No more road trips. <laughs> oh, the, uh, the first time Yvonne and I went on a plane uh, together married, uh, we went on our honeymoon and uh, I surprised her with a big trip and uh, off we went. And uh, it only took us till the second uh, plane flight to work out the best way to sit. Uh, now, this is where the typical don't judge a book by a cover comes in uh, to the story because uh, I'm sure there would have been people, uh, you know, in that plane around us that probably thought that I was not a nice man. That uh, how dare I not give the window seat to my, my new bride. And uh, little did they know, it was actually a very sacrificial act of love because... If she slept near the window, hurt her neck because she had to like lean really far over like this. And then if I fell asleep, I'd like fall on her and then she couldn't like push me off. And uh, so it just didn't work. It was awful for both of us, more for her. And, uh, and so we thought, well, let's switch her. I'll sit next to the window. And because uh, I'd booked her window seats the whole trip, make sure that, you know, she could see the views and enjoy it. And, but, uh, you know, if I sat there, I, could, I barely got to lean over. I could, you know, hit the wall of the plane. But then Yvonne was able to lean on me and also made sure that Mr. or Mrs. Random over here wasn't falling on her. So it, was, it just worked out fantastic. And so I was like, yes, this is good. We have worked out on our second trip, on our honeymoon already, how to sit on a plane together well. But it helped us because we were able to fall asleep. That brings me back to the pillow. The pillow helps us to rest. It helps us to sleep. And there was a time that Jesus took it up, took up the cushion, put his head on it, 
used it as a pillow and fell to sleep. We're going to start our message with that this morning and read it. It's in Mark chapter 4. It's when Jesus calms the storm and it says this, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon, a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. You know, I, I, love, uh, I love Mark's versions uh, of the gospel stories. There's always just that little bit extra that we need to really get in the understanding and really get into the story ourselves. In, in uh, Matthew's version of this, it, uh, it's a little bit shorter and it doesn't give the detail of the cushion. It doesn't give the detail that he had taken the time to, to make himself comfortable. It just said he was sleeping at the stern of the boat, sleeping at the back of the boat. But Mark always just takes it one little bit, little bit further. And I love Mark's gospel for that because you, you just get more insight. Like he was sleeping, but he wasn't just sleeping. He'd taken the time to get comfortable. You ever tried to sleep in the car? You can get a little bit uncomfortable, like you can only push that seat back, you know, so far. You can only lie it down so far. You can only sort of, you know, lean on one shoulder for so long. Like, but Jesus took the time to get comfortable. And that says a lot to me in this story. You see, it says that the storm was fierce. Now, you think about it a little bit logically, as I like to do sometimes. You, you, like, you're probably not going to cross a, a lake, a sea, like that one, if you knew that there was a fierce storm coming. You'd probably just wait the night, chill out on the side of the bank, have a little fire, put up some canvas or something, and just wait a moment and head off in the morning. But no, no, Jesus had a, had a mission, knew what he wanted to do. So off he went, and the, the storm was fierce, and it was clearly super fierce, because it placed fear in the heart of the disciples. And remember, some of these disciples were seasoned fishermen. They'd been on that, that sea once or twice, I, I would imagine. Like they'd probably endured a storm or two and, uh, you know, lived to tell the tales. But they were all fear-struck, all of them. You think about that. It clearly means, you know, the, the story goes on to say that the boat was already filling with water. You can imagine, like, you know, and, and you start to get into a moment like that. It's dark, it's night, there's clouds, potentially thunder and lightning. I mean, it's, it's described as a fierce storm. So it's not just a, a, you know, a little nice storm that we like. No, it's a, it's a bad storm that we don't like. And the waves are crashing over into the boat. There is the very real potential that they could sink. And in a storm like that, it's going to be pretty hard to stay afloat. So they're fearful. It's a, it's a reasonably fearful storm. And Jesus is asleep. 
in the back of the boat, having taken the time to find a cushion, or maybe there was a cushion already on the seat, whatever it was, he'd taken the time to get comfortable and to put his head on a cushion, on a pillow, and fall to sleep. I love that. I love that. Let's have a look at this. Man's response. Master, don't you care? Don't you care? We're perishing. Master, can't, can't, you, can't you see? How are you possibly sleeping? You know, back to those people that can sleep. How are you sleeping through this? I remember one morning I woke up, merry way, you know, getting my breakfast ready. I think I was off to uni that day and everyone's looking at me, my family, and they're all up. I'm like, not normally this, you know, busy and buzzing in, in our home so early. And now it's like, they were looking at me and like giggling and smirking. And there's lots of them. So there's lots of smirks and lots of giggles. And uh, I was like, what? Like, you don't know, do you? Like, no what? They're like, the storm. Like, what storm? Last night. The whole house was awake, Joe. I'm like, for real? Nah, you're pulling my leg. No word of a lie. The whole entire house was up, lights on. And then I looked out and saw that the, the whole, you know, patio, all the shoe racks were inside and stuff had been tarped and my light was on apparently. Everyone's helping, but not Joe. Fast asleep, snoring in bed. And I was like, oh, sorry. You could have woken me. I would have happily helped. Yes, I was that guy that night. Master, don't you care? We're perishing. You see, in this moment, some of them would have actually maybe had a little bit of capacity to know what to do. And maybe they could have started doing something. You know when fear starts to grip a few hearts and then, and then it's no longer embarrassing to be the one in fear? Like, you know, there's a group of, group of you know, blokes, young blokes in the boat with, with Jesus. I, I would have thought, oh, I'm fine, just hold on, you know, we'll get through this. And no, 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 embarrassment's way out the window. They left that one, you know, a little while ago. Like, these guys are freaking out. And that fear started to combine with the fear within each other. And it built them up into this frenzy where they realized that they were going to die. And so they come to, well, maybe, maybe our master can do something. We've seen him do a few things. Maybe, maybe he could save us from this. Their response was fear. Combined, it got even worse. And then they questioned him. They didn't just wake him up and ask him for help. They questioned him. Master, don't you care? Don't you care? Jesus, don't you care what I'm going through? Jesus, don't you care about the, the difficultness of this situation? Jesus, you clearly don't understand. Don't, don't you care, Master? I am perishing. Like this is failing. Don't you care? They started to question him. Question his love for them. Question his, his mission and vision statement that he'd given them. He started to, to be questioned. They couldn't, they couldn't understand because fear had gripped them. You know, normally, normally we start to rely on our own skills and abilities. Normally we start to rely on our own strength. But you think about it, if they could have, they probably would have. But it was a fierce, fierce storm. There's nothing wrong with coming to Jesus. In fact, we should, <laughs> especially in those circumstances. You and I should come to, come to Jesus. But it's not just about coming to his recognizing what we carry. It's recognizing that we have access as well to what he had access to. 
You think about if we've already been given the power, if we've all be, already been made anew for the task at hand, then what are we doing? What are we doing? What are you questioning God about? Man's response is fear. Fear combined caused a, a dire situation. Well, let's look at what they found Jesus doing, asleep with his head on a pillow. You know what that says to me? It says that Jesus knew with no doubt who he was. The fact that he took the time to make himself comfortable, to put his head on a pillow and to fall asleep. I mean, there's always, there's, there's risk in all life. But Jesus was so secure in his identity, so secure in his calling, so secure that he happily found a pillow and put his head on it and fell to sleep. And even though there's a massive, fierce storm raging with waves coming in the boat and it's already starting to fill, Jesus is still asleep. It tells me that he knew it wasn't his time. It tells me that he knew that he had a task to do and that God was going to make sure that he was able to do that task. His full, complete faith and trust was in his Father. He knew. His head on the pillow tells me that he was so secure in his identity. It wasn't his time. He didn't need to worry. He didn't have to have a care about what might happen or what might not happen because he knew he was going to go across to the other side and he was going to continue to do the ministry that he was called to do. He was secure in who he was. You imagine all of the things that he could have been doing, all the stuff he could have been worrying about, all the thoughts he could have been entertaining or the, or the stuff he could have been keeping his mind busy with. He could have been doing a whole, whole lot of other stuff. But yet, Jesus, the Savior of all the world, chose in the middle of it all to just take a moment to rest, just to put his head on a pillow and just have some shut-eye. Remember, Jesus had given up his full divinity. The Bible tells us, Philippians chapter 2, he gave up his divinity. He had become fully man. So in this moment, Jesus, fully man, was secure in his identity, knew that he could trust in what God had told him would happen for his life. Come on, you and I can trust God. Despite what our physical eyes might see, our, our spirit will live forever. Despite what our physical eyes might have to endure through this time here on earth, you and I are secure in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We will live forever. You and I have an eternal destination. You and I get to live in heaven forever with Jesus because of him. We have an identity and we are allowed to access it. Fully man, he had to make a conscious decision to live in his identity. So man's response was fear. Let's have a look at how Jesus responded when he was awoken. I love this because he didn't, he didn't just leave them in the moment. You know, we know he, he often would take moments as a teaching moment. 5,000 men plus women and children sitting there on the side of a mountain. They're hungry. The disciples come to Jesus and say, Jesus, they're hungry. Send them away. 
And Jesus says, you feed them. So Jesus could have got up and said, come on, you do it. Get the water out of the boat. Come on, let's go. Henry Ford, pre, let's get the chain line happening, bucket after bucket. Or he could have said, come on, you can, you've seen how we can pray and things can happen. Come on, just stand up, hold your hand out and command the storm and the, the seas and the waves to stop. No, look at how Jesus responded. First thing he does, he gets up and he sorts out the issue on their behalf. Peace. Be still. Silence. Be still. Depending on what version you, you, you study this in, it doesn't really matter. Peace. Silence. The storm ceased. The waves flattened. Order came into chaos in this moment. You know, Isaiah 9 tells us, it names Jesus, it identifies our Jesus Christ as wonderful counsel, mighty God, everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. That's who he is. It's his identity. It was foretold. He is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Prince of Peace. I can imagine that Jesus got up in that moment and said, Hi Storm, I'm peace, be still. Hi Storm, nice to meet you, I'm peace, be still. In the same situations that you and I go through, Jesus, who lives inside of you, has the ability to do the exact same thing. High situation, high circumstance, high sickness, high struggle, high depression, high business issue, high relationship issue. I'm peace. Be still. He is with you, my friends. He is with you and He is able to do what you need Him to do. Come on, you carry the Prince of Peace, the one who is able to stare the storm of your life in the face and say, hey, I'm peace. Be still. Be still. First He dealt with the issue and then He dealt with their issue. Come on, Jesus was, Jesus was trying to develop a culture with His people. They lived in this culture of the Israelite people. It was a culture that Jesus came to, to tweak, to enhance, to advance, to change, to bring into a new covenant. Jesus was trying to bring fresh revelation and teaching and understanding. And, and he was trying to train his disciples that that might be how you used to do things, but this is how I want you to do things. That might, might have been what you used to have to endure and struggle with. This is what I have for you to live in and it's life and it is abundant life. He was trying to change the way they thought about things, to open their eyes to see that they could do what he was doing. And so Jesus deals with the situation at hand. Don't you love it when the situation just gets sorted out? You know, sometimes I know we're looking at a mountain, we're like, man, Jesus is going to help me climb this mountain, but God's looking down and he's going, I can just take you from here to there. Sometimes he does that, but sometimes he grows us in the climb. But Jesus takes a moment to not only deal with the issue, but to deal with their issue, their lack of faith. of trust, of a revelation of an identity that he had come to give them. 
if they knew the power they had access to. If they knew who was really in the boat, I think there would have been a different response. Helpless. You think about this, the one who created the storms and the seas was sleeping in the boat. The one who spoke it all into existence had the ability in that moment to speak it into silence. And God can do the same with you and I. He has spoken you and I into existence. His breath holds you and I together. Come on, what God has, come on, what can stand against it? What can come against you and I? God has spoken you and made sure that you would be born when you were born and spoke you into existence. And when we step back into relationship with Jesus Christ, we, we have an identity that you and I take on. Let me take a moment to just jump into some thoughts around identity. I'll start with Colossians chapter 3, verse 10 to 11. It says this, to put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. Come on, your God is not just out there. He's not just in here on Sunday. He is with you in every part of it. He endures it all. Some thoughts on identity. Firstly, you're unique. I know some people struggle. I know people have, have comments made over themselves like they, they were a mistake or things like that. It's not true. It might have been a mistake to your parents, but you were a miracle by God. He made sure that you were here. It's even more powerful. You are unique. Come on, even the world knows that. Your DNA, your fingerprint, it'll catch you anywhere. Anywhere in the world. You have unique DNA, a unique fingerprint. You are the only you, which means you are purposed. There's a plan on your life. There's something for you as an individual person to do and to achieve, to bring heaven to earth as ambassadors, to, to allow what God has made you to be, to bring joy and hope and life to the people around you. You're unique. You're the only you. If you are confident enough in who you are, you won't be shaken up or put out by challenging, confronting things or moments or times that come and happen and come across your path or that you have to endure. If you can discover your purpose, you know, having goals and healthy perspective helps you to deal with those things. Jesus had a mission. He knew that he was called. He knew that he was the only him and only he could do what God had called him to do. Come on, you are the only you and you've been called to do something and you are gifted with something and it is for the world around you. Another thought, learn to approach comparison with a godly mindset. Sometimes comparing is not, not necessarily all bad. But to live under comparison of, oh, I don't have that, or I'm not this, or look at that, or look at them, that's when it can take negative root within your life. Understand, understand that there is purpose to your existence. Jesus had a purpose. It got him out of bed in the morning. 
And it needs to get you out of your bed in the morning. You were born when you were born for a reason. And I can tell you confidently today that God made sure of that. God made sure that you were here. You know, when we understand who we are and when we put it on, when we wear it, when we put on that new life, when we take it on, when we live in it, then we can access the power that God had and use it. You see, we might be uniquely gifted and individually created. We might be the only us. But when you bring us together, when you and I live in harmony of one mind in one accord, when you and I start to get together instead of allowing, allowing this issue to combine with, with that issue, to combine with my issue, to combine with your issue, but rather to allow faith to combine with my faith, to combine with your faith and his faith and her faith, when you and I start to, start to realize that, well, you've got power and I've got power and we've got power and we can do a lot when we band together, we might be able to loan soldier and maybe make a bit of a difference on our own. But imagine the difference that you and I could make when we band together. Imagine the difference that you and I could make. It's the power of the church. It's the power of the family. It's the power of the community of God. We are children of God. We need to support each other. This can help to stop insecurities taking root. Insecurities often lead us to attaching stuff and things to our identity. Things that we use to cover it up. Things that we use to cover a moment or to cover something that we had to go through or something that we did to ourselves. You know, some people choose things that are healthy at a surface level, like sport or gym or fitness. Some people choose unhealthy things like drinking or drugs. Adding to your identity is when you get so into something that when it's taken away, you no longer feel like yourself. Whatever it might be, if it's stuff and things, it's not you. It may not be that what you're engaging in is bad within itself, but everything in moderation Church, we need to keep the main thing the main thing. You're valuable with or without your stuff. Jesus died on the cross for you with or without your stuff. Stuff is okay, but stuff is not who we are. Stuff is not our identity. Our identity is proved to us on the cross. I want to encourage you that if you support the people around you, they will support you. So today, let's declare today who we are. I am a child of God. I mean, some of you might even need to say that today. Some of you might need to say, I am a child of God. I am saved. I am set free. I am appointed for this time. I am chosen to do the things that God has for me to do. I am a child of God. You know, they say if you say something enough, eventually you'll believe it or become it. 
Well, come on, why don't, we, why don't we put that into practice and start to declare the things that God declares over our life? Because it's actually truth. And we might not believe some of it, but the more that we speak it out and the more we claim it as our identity, what happens is we start to, start to let go of our sinful nature. We start to take off the old us and we start to put on the new stuff and we start to wear it and we start to get comfortable in the new me. Some of us have picked stuff up along the journey that's, that's not meant to be picked up. Some of us have allowed stuff to happen or sometimes there's stuff that has been imposed. Regardless of it all, it does not divine who you are. It is not your identity. Your identity is who God says your identity is. And He says that you are loved and you are purposed and that you are His adopted son and daughter. He loves you. Come on, make a decision today to declare, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I am loved. I am purposed. I am visioned. I am meant to be here. There is reason for my existence. Come on, we've got to speak these things over ourselves until we truly believe the truth of God, until we allow it to start to shift and change the way we approach the circumstances that life throws at us. Can I have the keys come back, please? Be encouraged this morning, church, with who God sees you as. Not with how you see you. Not with how you look at you in the mirror. Be encouraged with how God sees you. Worthy of the sacrifice of His Son. He wanted to. He wanted to come back and get us. Be encouraged this morning that with what is available to you as a child of God, with what access and what power it gives you as a child of God, when you belong to Jesus, you've been adopted into sonship, into the family. You are royalty. You are a princess of the King. You are a prince of the Most High King. You are. That's who you are. Maybe you need to declare that over your life today. Maybe you need to speak it over your life today. Maybe you need to go out today declaring this is who I am. This is who I want to be. You carry power. The power to see heaven invade. The power to silence the storms. The power to shift in a moment. Church, you can enjoy your relationship with Him. You can enjoy time with God. You can enjoy just singing and worshipping, sitting and resting and standing and falling asleep on a pillow in the presence of your God. You can enjoy your relationship with Him because your identity is secure. It's there whether you recognize it or not, church. It's there whether you access it or not. But I want to encourage you this morning to access it, to recognize what your life would look like if you access more and more of that identity that God has on offer for you. Don't wait. Don't, don't say, well, I'll get this right and I'll do that and then God will use me. If you need to get stuff right, get it right. If you need to put things in order, put them in order. But regardless, who God says you are is who you are. You can't change that and you don't want to change that church. Not just life, but abundant life. That was what Jesus came to give us. So let go of what is not 
of God and take hold of what is from God. Let God help you to let go of what's happened to you in your life and to allow what God has made you to be to come to the forefront. You know, last night the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said that there's at least someone who when they put their head on their pillow at night, it does not bring peace. God wants to free you this morning. God wants to bring freedom to you this morning. You put your head on the pillow and it is weighted and heavy and disturbed. You struggle to sleep, you toss and turn. That is not abundant life. And Jesus wants to bring freedom to your life today. You know, the older you get, the more set in your ways you become. Those of you in the room today here who are a bit older, you've had longer to acquire and to accumulate and to carry. You might be here today thinking, well, you know who you are. You're secure. It's just how life has been. But I want to put to you today that is who you are, who God wants you to be. Are you living out right now who God wants you to be? Are you honestly allowing God to still transform you and renew you and make you more like Christ? Come on, until He calls you home. He loves you. You don't have to live another moment any longer with stuff that's not meant to be your stuff. You don't have to carry any longer the things that you've been carrying. And those of you who are a bit older in the room, you've had more time to carry. Don't despise your years, but don't carry anymore what is for you. Stuff that might have happened to you a long time ago may have affected you in ways that you don't recognize. Maybe things that you engaged in, maybe they've had a lasting impression on the way you think or behave. You know, we generally approach life through the lenses of our experiences. What you might think is you may actually not be the real you. There may be a version of you that God still wants to reveal to this earth in this time. Let God refine you. Let God restore you. Well, Pastor Joe, this is who I am. This is my personality. This is just me. It's who I've always been. I, I can't change it. That's right, you might not be able to change it, but you serve a God that can change it. You serve a God that can restore you. You serve a God that can come into your situation, into your life and help you to let go of what you should not be carrying, to shift your, your purpose and your vision for your life and to help you see the destiny that is on you. To those of you in the room today here who are a bit younger, God would encourage us today to not pick up along the journey the stuff that He does not want us to pick up. Don't carry the stuff that you are not meant to carry. As it happens, let it go. As life is thrown at you, let it go. Will only weigh you down. It will only hold you back and will only rob you of the abundant life that God wants you to live. 
Church, let's ask ourselves today, are we stepping out? Are we standing up? I want to encourage you with this. For we are God's masterpiece, it says in Ephesians. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He has planned for us long ago. In Philippians it says, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns.